Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, November 24th. Criticize no one, even if the criticism is deserved, for your words may discourage by suggesting that improvement is impossible. Only persons of strong willpower can turn negative judgment of them to good account with a strong positive affirmation. Many years ago, disciples senior to me in my guru's work tried, out of envy, I think, to destroy my faith in myself. I prayed later, Divine Mother, they are right. I am nothing. You alone are my strength and my guide. After all, didn't an ugly duckling once become a swan? Their scathing condemnation proved one of the greatest blessings of my life. It freed me to serve my guru in ways that he himself had asked of me. Was their karma good or bad for the way they treated me? I suspect they'll have to pay, at least for their intentions. For their clear purpose was to destroy me. Ill will, like a ball attached with a rubber band to a paddle, cannot but snap back upon the paddle itself. Wow, this is a tough one. He's, you know, he says... He says here, criticize no one. Even if the criticism is deserved, for your words may discourage by suggesting improvement is impossible. Now, I know that Swami corrected us over the years, and he doesn't actually mean that you can never say to someone, oh, that could be done better. It's not like you you never tell anybody anything that could lead to their self-improvement. He uses the word criticize, because criticize it's a very different word than making a positive suggestion to someone. But, but endlessly over the years that I was with Swamiji, he was so conscious of the impact of his words on people. He was never just, oh, I have an idea, I'll just give it to you. His thought was always, what is your readiness to receive it? How can I express it in such a way that you will feel exactly the words he used, encouraged instead of discouraged. In fact, Swamiji talked about how when they were, when Master was living, and at times Master had to speak even sternly to them, sometimes correct them quite firmly. Swamiji said, but he, you, he, you always felt encouraged. You never felt discouraged. Now, discouraged for a few minutes, you know, a little bit stunned, a little embarrassed, you know, a little bit, you know, sort of worn out, I mean, it's natural that there would be some reaction, but it's the long-term effect of our words that we're really wanting to um, think about. Um, There's a book of letters called In Divine Friendship, which Swami Kriyananda wrote, and there's different sections to that book. The letters are, it's, it's probably a couple of hundred letters, and they're categorized. And one of the categories is strong medicine. Because sometimes strong medicine is there, but when Swami runs through this whole 
scenario, and I'll give you a little bit of the context of what he's talking about here. He talks about will they get good or bad karma for what they did, because for Swamiji, in the end, it proved a great blessing. So they were actually the instruments of a great blessing for him. He said what they will get is they will get karma for their intention. So if we're trying to help someone, we're not just criticizing them. And even if we're misguided in the way we present it, it's what the real goal is inside of ourselves. In this particular situation with Swamiji, it was a religious organization. It was the, you know, the history of religion in America, where we start religions and have churches, and then have more churches and have more churches, which is certainly not the policy where the Catholic Church is the church, as it is in Europe, many parts of Europe. Um, In America, the cycle goes like this. There is the first church of, whether it's a Christian denomination that has taken a particular aspect of Jesus' teaching and made the church of, but they, they don't call themselves the first church. They just call themselves the church of. And for a time, if you've started something new, you have a monopoly. And that the thought goes in your mind that you have the sole and only possible truth. And if you look at the history of religion as it develops in this particular way, you see that there's almost always a point at which um, there is some kind of a split. And either somebody is kicked out for being a heretic, which is basically what happened to Swami Kriyananda, or alternatively, that person leaves in in a state of discontent because for one reason or another he feels like what what exists does not represent the intention anymore and goes off and starts another. So Swami was expelled. Um, And he was expelled from the only organization there was representing his guru, who is Paramhansa Yogananda. He doesn't name him here. Then Swamiji spent a period of time in transition trying to understand what to do, but he said the intention of the people was to cause him to lose faith in himself because when religious people fight, they tend to think that the person who disagrees with them is a heretic. And you definitely don't want the heretic promoting his heresy. So the intention was to cause him to lose faith in his direct connection with his guru because these people were not his guru, they were his peers. They were his guru bhais, it's called his fellow disciples. They wanted to completely disempower him with criticism so that he would go away. But he didn't go away. He went away from them. He was expelled from them. But after a period of time, he felt called by his guru to start what then becomes the second church of. And then the original is now the first church of, and now there's the second church of. Now, In Swami Kriyananda's life, as he writes it, this freed him to really follow his guru's advice directly because he'd gotten caught in organizational politics where his peers had superior position in the organization and therefore tried to claim spiritual superiority to him. So it was an impossible situation. But the relevant point in a more universal point is this, is what was the intention of the people when they talk to him. Now, you can say all kinds of things. They felt they were acting for God's will. They felt they were protecting their spiritual work from the heretic. Because, you know, very few people actually think they're doing badly. But God reads the heart. And sometimes when we allow our emotions or our prejudices 
to blind us to the reality of what's going on, we incur. We, we, to incur bad karma, this is what it means to incur bad karma. It's not like this huge mysterious thing where we're just sort of racking up bad karma and we don't know where it came from. To incur bad karma generally means that we've created some kind of dissonant energy that we're going to have to, it usually means we have to experience, and you know, we're going to have to experience the effect of that dissonant energy so that we can develop the awareness of the um, consequences of our own actions and hopefully learn. And then when we learn, we were, were able to transcend that. And most of us don't learn from being told, you know, that wasn't a nice thing to say. Generally speaking, we have to get the consequences. You know, when you have a little child and um, the little child, well, <clears throat> uh, uh, one of the, a mother was, Swami used to love this, tell the story about his cousins, his cousin and her son. She said to him, she was trying to teach him because he was kind of a physical little boy, just a small boy. And she said, you know, when someone hits you, you should never hit back. And he said, oh, mommy, I never hit back. I always hit first. <laughs> He was sort of proud of himself, you know. He didn't wait. He always started it like that. Well, well, you have to ask, how is that working for you? You know, is that really bringing you what you want? So that's the actual question, like, how is that working for you? So Swami's saying, when you criticize people in such a way that it causes them to lose heart for whatever they're trying to do, that's a very unfortunate thing to do. And if we're not aware of the fact that we have an unfortunate manner, even if we have good intention, we have an unfortunate manner, sooner or later we have to learn the results of that. Now, an unfortunate manner is the, the, the negative consequences of an unfortunate manner are mitigated by a good heart, but they're not neutralized by a good heart. Because even if we mean well, we also have to learn to get along with people. In his, uh, the closing chapter of Swami Kriyananda's book, The Path, he, he talks about spiritual family and he talks about what spiritual progress really is. And he talks about the fact that we have to spiritualize our relationship with God, absolutely. I mean, our inner relationship with the Spirit is the primary relationship. But we also have to spiritualize our relationship with the objective world. I mean, and that's a, that's a further extension. You know, Master's Path, Yogananda's involvement, Swami's involvement, what Swamiji did after he was expelled from the first church of, was he started communities. Because Master wanted communities. He wanted us to live with, he wanted us to live collectively with each other, families, married couples, single people, as well as monks and nuns. Spiritual communities of of committed celibate monastics have been a tradition for hundreds of years. But for, for people who wish to follow the householder path, or even to remain single but nonetheless still not join a monastic order, to be able still to dedicate yourself 100% to the spiritual path, that, that living in that way is not an obstacle to spiritual growth. This is part of the coming of the new age. So once we start living in community in that way, all of a sudden we, we can't just uh, dismiss as unimportant the necessity to get along with each other.
And that is also part of spirituality in the New Age. During Kali Yuga, when everything was just rigid form, then you just went off into the cave and you just said goodbye to the world. You went into the cloister and you slammed the door. You said goodbye to the world. Now, in a cloistered monastery or hermitage, you still have to get along with the people around you. If you're a solitary monastic uh, monk or nun or <coughs> sadhu somewhere, you don't. But <coughs> Swami writes, an important part of spirituality is spiritualizing our relationship with the objective world, which means with other people. Now, don't misunderstand me. You, we, don't have to, we don't have to please everyone. Because some people simply ask things of us that should not be asked. But we, we have to live according to high principles and we have to be responsible first for our intentions and then to a lesser extent but, but still to a large extent. We have to pay attention to the evidence of our own actions. And if we, if we keep, um, how would I say it, if we keep justifying our wrong behavior on the basis of our good intentions, there's something a little bit off. And we, we have to be humble, we have to be willing to listen, and then, of course, countless times in this book, Swami has talked about sticking to your own principles and not just being blown in the wind by other people's opinions. But then he comes back to, we must speak to people in such a way that encourages rather than discourages them. That's, that's the whole point. And, and, and Swamiji's way of doing that, when I, I watched him, is he just he paid attention. He, 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 was, he never got lost in what he had to say. What, whatever he had to say, he paid complete attention to how it was being received and then responded because his intention was to help. And, you know, with impersonal intuition, then we're guided in such a way that um, our intentions are realized. So here Swami says, I'll read it again. Criticize no one. Even if the criticism is deserved, even if the criticism is deserved, for your words may discourage by suggesting that improvement is impossible. Only persons of strong willpower can turn negative judgment of them to good account with a strong positive affirmation. Many years ago, disciples senior to me in my guru's work tried out of envy, I think, to destroy my faith in myself. I prayed later, Divine Mother, they are right. I am nothing. You alone are my strength and my guide. After all, didn't even an ugly duckling once become a swan? Their scathing condemnation proved one of the greatest blessings of my life. It freed me to serve my guru in ways that he himself had asked of me. Was their karma good or bad for the way they treated me? I suspect they'll have to pay at least for their intentions, for their clear purpose was to destroy me. Ill will, like a ball attached to a rubber band, with a rubber band to a paddle, cannot but snap back upon the paddle itself. Joy to you, my friend. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.